This one is entitled, Everything I Needed to Know I Learned from Substack.com. It's gotten a little out of hand for me, so I recommend caution. I recently found that I had more than 30 subscriptions. Scanning these takes hours a day, but full-time COVID warriors have to read, and this source is uncensored. A poorly kept secret is that you can get most of Substack's content using free subscriptions. I put three stars next to the authors that are required reading. If you briefly scan this post, don't miss the excerpt from one of my favorite books at the very end. First is the pull request, and I'm a paid subscriber. This is the brilliant Antonio Garcia Martinez, the guy who was fired two weeks after being hired by Apple because a woke mob there claimed he was abusing women. Their only evidence was Chaos Monkeys, his best-selling books, book published five years later, earlier. I appended the sexy passage they hated at the end of this post so you can judge for yourself. Don't miss this or miss the book. Martinez recently went to Poland and Ukraine to study the situation, then reported back on the Joe Rogan Show, number 1795. He's not an expert on COVID or the vax, so despite my respect for him, I gave him no stars here. Mercola.com daily posts from the websites are not on Substack for the most part, but they're, they're some of the best stuff here, and I gave him three stars. He was listed, along with RFK Jr., as one of the two worst, quote, disinformation sources and, quote, domestic terrorists in America. His essays were free for decades, but now disappear behind a paywall on Substack after 48 hours. He was threatened and made this compromise because he feared retribution of some kind. I copy and paste his top stories into Word documents and sometimes reproduce them on my Substack. They are not copyrighted. He also has a podcast with all kinds of interesting ideas, but much of it is off topic for this blog. Since Mercola sells vitamins, I ignore everything else in his daily newsletter. However, I now buy all my vitamins from his company because I trust him. I take zinc, vitamin D, magnesium, and a few other supplements, including CoQ. Cell phone radiation is one of Mercola's concerns. Despite reading several books, I have been unable to understand the science behind this well enough to make a firm judgment. But Mercola is so brilliant that I cannot write off his opinions about this. I do completely turn off my cell phone every night instead of sleeping near a live source of this radiation. I want to mention RFK Jr. and Peter and Ginger Bregan as the two best podcasters, and I gave them three stars, even though they're not on Substack. They're great people. I listen to everything they say, and I have links to their podcasts. Unreported Truths is Alex Berenson's Substack, and he's the single best blog there. He figured out what was happening in early 2020 and hasn't quit for a moment. He's a brilliant writer and has some resources that, are, that back him, and he has a lawsuit going against Twitter now. Who is Robert Malone is another three-star uh, Substack. <clears throat> he might be the smartest guy in this room. It is moderately high level, so you'll have to see if you like it. Malone is the inventor of the messenger RNA technology and was finally red-pilled only after he nearly died from a second jab. Steve Kirsch is a billionaire who is utterly committed to the goals of preser preserving true science, the Constitution, and defeating the corporatists who want to rule our world. He is a remarkable person and a good writer. I gave him two stars. 
Alexander COVID News Evidence-Based Medicine Convoy Mandate. That's the name of the podcast. It's uh, Paul Alexander. Um, I've given him money. He's a two-star because he posts too many times a day and it drives me crazy. Um, when he has opinions, he doesn't hold them back and his opinions more or less match mine. He's an angry animal. Um, I'm addicted to his posts. The Forgotten Side of Medicine, I gave two stars. This is, uh, these people are relatively new to Substack, but they're excellent. Um, and just to draw you in, they explained the story behind Will Smith's recent Oscar performance for Pfizer. So there was good evidence that the entire thing was an ad. James Raguski is an expert on the World Health Organization and what they're doing right now, making a power grab. This is very important information because they're voting on some insane proposition to take over the world in uh, less than a month. And I know this sounds hard to believe, but we actually introduced this, uh, Biden administration introduced this uh, proposition, and this would give them, uh, during times of, quote, emergency, unquote, um, power over the constitutions of the member countries. Now, uh, they have they have been a disaster uh, in, during the pandemic response, and I don't think this is going to fly, but you never know what happens. Um, there's another one called Lies Are Unbecoming, which I gave two, two stars, and it's B-E-U-N-B-E-K-O-M-I-N-G. And if you try this one out, you won't be disappointed. Dr. Tess Lowry, L-O-W-R-I-E, is uncovering corrupt World Health Organization practices and also another important contributor. There's another one called Tessa Fights Robots. She's an excellent writer, and I'm going to show you a sample post. Social Credit Piloted in Italy, World Economic Forum's Agile Nation in Action. Transparent Citizens and Private Billionaires. In 2020, seven countries, in partnership with the World Economic Forum, signed an agreement to become, quote, agile nations, unquote. Italy is one of them. Other countries are Canada, Denmark, the UK, Japan, Singapore, and the United Arab Emirates. So C.J. Hopkins is a German commentator. He, of course, writes in English, and here's a sample of his. And also, right now, as you read this newspaper, the fanatics at the new normal German parliament are revisiting the Infection Protection Act to enable them to order the forced, quote, vaccination of the entire 60-plus German population. They wanted to forcibly vaccinate everyone, but they couldn't get a majority to approve that, so they tried to force vaccinations of just adults, that is, everyone over the age of 17, but that didn't fly either, so now they have settled on forcibly, quote, vaccinating the over 59ers. The next post is Dead Man Talking. This is excellent, academic, careful researching. Here's a recent post. The COVID death rate is higher after max vaccinations. There is a discernible reduction in the rate of COVID deaths in just 38 out of the 202 studied. That's 19%. Therefore, in the vast majority of countries, both the rate and the number of COVID deaths after vaccination programs is higher than before. And there's another one called Dispatches from a Scamdemic. And I recently uh, copied one of the posts called The Corona Overreaction Has Been the Meanest Prank Ever, which you probably have seen. Then there's Unacceptable, un unacceptable Jessica. Dr. Jessica Rose is the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. That's V-A-E-R-S expert. 
and she is currently living in Israel. From her Substack, here's a quote. She discusses the fraud we've all experienced over the past few years in relation to the pandemic. The data shows negative efficacy regarding the COVID-19 vaccine, meaning that it's actually hurting you. If they can lie about issues surrounding COVID-19 so easily, then what have they been lying about the whole time? She goes into the VAERS system and how the adverse event and death reports related to COVID-19 injections are off the charts. The FDA and the CDC are not even looking at the data. She believes the vaccine is a segue into introducing new injection platforms, normalizing injections, and digitalizing the human. She agrees the goal of the vaccine passports is to install the social credit system. The World Health Organization pandemic treaty will be the total loss of sovereignty for all countries and individuals. That's the end. The last few are the second smartest guy in the room. Uh, and here's a post title, Panic in Trudeau's Canada as triple vaccinated have a higher COVID death rate than the unvaccinated. Gary in the Morning is a friend of mine who produces a daily drudge-like compilation of the news. It's very good. He doesn't have a huge uh, um, audience. Igor's newsletter, sample post, Moderna new vaccinated people will never acquire property, proper immunity after breakthrough infections. There's another one, which is a military perspective called In Defense of Humanity. And here's a title, Military Whistleblowers, COVID Infections Causing Catastrophic Harm to U.S. Military. Big Pharma Funded Terror Attacks Killing U.S. Soldiers, Ivermectin Known Curative Since April 2020. Naomi Wolf is a media figure and a major contributor to the intellectual debate, but not so much on Substack. I copied and pasted one of her post, posts into my Substack that I liked it so much, and I read it aloud. And the name of that post was, I'm not brave, you're just a pussy. <coughs> and she's talking about the people speaking out versus the ones who aren't speaking out. So there's a few more um, which are excellent and I'm not as familiar with, but I'll let you read those on the post. Let me uh, go ahead, and I've got Snowden here. Everyone knows who Snowden is. He wrote a book, permanent record, about his exit from the U.S. in order to whistleblow on the surveillance state. And he basically threw himself on a hand grenade to preserve free speech, and he's stuck living in Russia now. And I haven't gotten any posts from him because I think he stopped writing, or, you know, he's delayed it, or maybe this isn't his focus now. I heavily recommend that permanent record, though. That'll give you an idea of what we're dealing with, and that's old. It might be a decade old. COVID and coffee is excellent. excellent. Frederick R. Smith Speaks is excellent. It's more about the Constitution. He's a friend. So we come to the best part of this post. It's the passage from Chaos Monkeys that got Antonio Garcia Martinez thrown out of Apple. The rest of his bestseller is just as good, and here it is. Life is what happens when you're making other plans. If you ever run across an online dating profile with the above as a tagline, be aware you're in for one fucking life-changing date. I had found British Trader's profile, that's what he calls her, British Trader, while searching for the keyword sailing. Thematic searches, in other words, physics, PhD, beer, were my way of finding some of the iota of common ground with which to structure an introductory message. At the time, online dating sites distinguished themselves mainly by the demographics of their members. Craigslist was for escorts, fat chicks in Fremont, and serial killers. OkCupid, 
Cupid was for penniless hipster chicks who lived in shared flats in the mission. Match.com was for professional women busy with time-honored tradition of husband shopping. Choose your audience and write your ad copy. Mine was heavy on the sailing and outdoor adventuring. Zero mention of diaper changes and daycare drop-offs. Truth in advertising, more or less. She had vaguely Slavic-looking cheekbones and feline eyes. Her match profile photo featured her at the tiller of a boat, which instantly quintupled her attractiveness. Message led to dinner date. Dinner date led to an opera outing. One early Friday evening, dressed in her corporate finest, she appeared unannounced at the boatyard. My 26-foot sloop, Mikosha, was hauled out on land, and I was busy refitting it for serious offshore sailing. Covered in dust and grease, I welcomed her to my boat. She climbed up the precarious 12-foot ladder to the Mikosha's de deck, which towered over the ground due to the boat's deep keel. Then a romantic reversal. The following weekend, a tall, rangy guy put his boat next to mine in the yard, a strapping and strutting South African. He walked over and we started talking boats. We got along famously and continued our unending string of boat talk with beer and pizzas at the local red and white tablecloth Italian place. He was, as faced would have it, British Trailer's ex-boyfriend, who had recently and unceremoniously dumped her. This business was serious. As I had eventually learned from British trailer, Trader, they'd tried having a child despite never marrying. Their inability to conceive had convinced British Trader she was barren. He and I ended our boozing and bullshitting and got back to work on our respective boats. As I was painting the bottom, I looked over and saw some hot chick talking to my new South African friend. I saw only her jean-clad ass, given my as-yet non-comprehensive knowledge of her anatomy, I didn't recognize her. Of course, it was British trader stopping by the yard to check randomly on my progress. Given there was only one large boatyard for serious refitting in the East Bay, meeting her recent bow wasn't a completely improbable coincidence. Weirded out by my bonding with her ex, she decided to end the budding romance. But then a week later, she changed her mind. I had brunch with her and her female confidant, on my finest social behavior, I passed muster with her friend. The next invitation was dinner at her house. When I appeared on her doorstep with a bottle of wine and a smile, she opened the door, conspicuously made up, perfumed, and in a fetching dress. The moment that door swung open, I knew I had her. The contemporary honeymoon of a several-week fuckfest, consummated at the start of a new romantic liaison, played itself out comb el foe. No surprises, really, other than British traders' taste for being physically dominated in bed. A bit of a surprise given her alpha female exterior. To a woman, every girlfriend of mine has been intelligent, ambitious, and independent. Until very recently, all were vastly more successful and wealthier than me. And yet, come the pressing hour of physical needs, so unfolded the countless boudoir scenes recalling Fregonard Le Vero, a ravished chambermaid, half-resisting and half-yielding, violently seized in the arms of her predatory lover, who slammed shut the bolt on the bedroom door. The backdrop to the tryst-turned-relationship was a modest bungalow fixer-upper that British Trailer had bought, taking advantage of a corporate relocation package. She made Bob Villa of this old house look like a fucking pussy. 
She had ripped off the ornate and custom-built-in shelves and display case from one room and installed them in another. The flooring was down to the planking to be redone in the fresh hardwood by her with a nail gun and lots of patience. The only room that was even remotely livable was the kitchen, which featured beautiful hardwood counters that were regularly oiled. Her bed consisted of a cheap foam mattress about the width of an extra jumbo-sized menstrual pad inside a room stripped to the wall studs. The floor was dusty and drywall powder from the demolition, and post-coitally it was all I could do to balance myself precariously on the edge of the pad and off, and off of the drywall dust. Morning showers were in the one functioning bathroom whose empty window frames were covered in plastic. A molded plastic shower in the corner and a lonely looking white porcelain toilet were the only signs of civilization in what appeared to be the inside of a garden shed. The scene of conception was either the aforementioned foam pad or the hardwood kitchen counter. Two generations ago, her branch of the family, moneyed Jews in Tsarist Russia, had seen the revolutionary writing on the wall and had fled to the United Kingdom. Another branch moved to China and became an established trading family in Harbin. In Britain, the family made the unlikely transition to landed gentry and ran a farm in Bedfordshire. A great-uncle was elevated to the peerage and a second cousin shared the Nobel Prize with Alexander Fleming for penicillin. When she was still in her teens, her father decided to move the family to the United States where they suffered a financial reversal she was unwilling to talk about. Suddenly, not among the moneyed class, she hustled herself through the red brick boondocks of the University of Vermont. Citibank internship led to Deutsche Bank job, and after a few years, she was an equity derivatives trader at Deutsche, holding her own against the tough sharks of the city of London. She had wild green eyes with unnatural red spots in her irises when you pulled close, reminiscent of that Afghan girl from the National Geographic color, cover. Her personality was flinty and rough and as leathery as her skin. She had spent years between various jobs backpacking around the rougher parts of the world. She was an imposing, broad-shouldered presence, six feet tall and bare feet and towering over me in heels. Most women in the Bay Area are soft and weak, cosseted and naive despite their claims of worldliness and generally full of shit. They have their self-regarding entitlement, feminism, and ceaselessly vaunt their independence. But the reality is, come the epidemic plague or the foreign invasion, they'd become precisely the sort of useless baggage you'd trade for a box of shotgun shells or a jerry can of diesel. British trader, on the other hand, was the sort of woman who would end up a useful ally in that post-apocalypse, doing whatever work, be it carpentry, animal husbandry, or a shotgun blast to somebody's back that required doing. <coughs> Long story short, you wanted to tie your genetic wagon to the bucking horse of her bloodline, which is why I was less nervous than I should have been on a random Saturday in July when I showed up for a brunch appointment and found her uncharacteristically moody. She complained of feeling nauseated and slightly out of it. With perhaps too much off-handedness while grabbing the local newspaper off her couch, I suggested... Well, perhaps do a pregnancy test. Like any male who's played it fast and loose with the safe sex rules, I've had my fair share of scares. I was on season four of the show whereby tear-filled woman X shows up two weeks after the shag saying she had, quote, missed her period, unquote, sort of in the same way I'd say that I, quote, missed my bus. 
nothing had ever come of it. And after the third showing, you just wanted to say, look, woman, unless you've got a screaming infant in your arms that looks like me, we have nothing to talk about. British trader would have both soon enough. Well, I did go to the doctor, she replied instantly. Things took on a rather portentous air for a casual Saturday morning brunch. And I'm pregnant. Bam, of human life. Shit, I thought. I could hear God laughing at his vaunted hangout. Life is what happens when you're making other plans indeed. By her account, British trailer, trader had broken into tears on hearing the news from her doctor, when she, who she'd gone to see on some routine visit. Yeah, that old story. One look into her hard green eyes, and I knew this kid was seeing the light of day. Do more to some residual Catholic guilt and Hispanic chivalry than true love for British trader, I sublet my one-bedroom bohemian pad in the mission, which had followed my hippie chick household, and moved into her home-turned-construction site. I'd make a go of this domesticated parental life. If you jump into the abyss, jump headlong. <laughs>